Amen. So I've been encouraged to keep today's message short, and the only way I know how to do that is to teach you what I taught you last week. Because uh, I figured if I tried to teach you the next thing in the book of Judges, the next story is the story of Deborah, and that's a story that I'd like to spend like a month on. But since I can't do that, and I didn't want to cut the Deborah story short, and I didn't want to jump all around into something completely irrelevant, I thought what the best thing to be, what the best thing for me to do would be to just preach last week's message all over again, but from a different angle. And so what I want you to do is open up your Bibles to Judges chapter 3 and have that ready. And we're going to be looking at the same things we looked at last week, but we're going to look at it from a slightly different perspective. Now, before I get into that, I want to share with you an event that happened to me this last week that made me feel truly heroic. And I don't know if you've ever had this experience before, but it helped me to feel incredibly heroic. So I was in my office. And I was doing something on the computer, writing an email or, or programming. I don't know what I was doing. But I was doing something on the computer, and there was this little black dot that was flying around my head. You know what I'm talking about? It's a fly that, you know, I just... Since we've been doing a lot more stuff outside, we're having our core group meetings outside, and so the back door is frequently open, and, and so, you know, some flies have been getting in, and that's been bugging me. So anyway, I'm sitting there at my desk, and I hear this... Zzz, And you know what I'm talking about. You've all experienced it. But anyway, so I'm sitting there at my desk, and I see out of the corner of my left eye the black dot. And the black dot sweeps in front of my vision, and I go just like this. Whoop! And I look around, and he's he's gone. And I shake my hand, and he's in there. I'm like, I just snatched a fly right out of thin air. So I went out to the front door and I, cause you know, I didn't want to smush him in my hand. That's just gross. Then my hand would be all fly gutsy. And so then I, so I go to the front door, I open up the front door and I probably let three more flies in when I opened up the front door. But, but I opened up the front door and I put my hand out there and I went, and I saw him go out of my hand and I'm like, yes, I caught a fly out of midair. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever done that with chopsticks, like the karate kid from my youth. I've never done that, but I'm actually, actually quite good at catching flies just right out of the air. It's not the first time I've done that, but every time I do it, I feel like a hero. And every time I fail to do it, I just blame the fly. That's my, re- that's my excuse. But every time I do it, I kind of feel like a superpower, superhero kind of individual. And uh, maybe you're thinking to yourself, well, I, I could do that. I could do, you know, interesting, stupid human tricks things and claim that that's heroic. But it did, you know, it helped me feel a little bit heroic. Another time I felt like a hero is um, a number of years ago, I had met a person through a sheer coincidence kind of thing. Uh, They were looking for a pastor to perform a wedding ceremony for them. They randomly called me from the Yellow Pages, and um, it it was a long story, but anyway, I met this guy for like five minutes this one particular day. I didn't end up performing their wedding. I met this guy for like five minutes, and then like a year later, because he and I were on Facebook together, a year later or so, I felt prompted I should just, you know, reach out to this guy, and I sent him a Facebook message, and lo and behold, that began a long, slow, weird, up and down journey of friendship that developed for, for us all the way to the point where this last year he asked me to be the best man in his wedding. And 
When COVID happened, instead of me being the best man in his wedding, I actually performed his wedding here. He was baptized in this church. He's moving back to town this next week, and tomorrow I'm going to help him move. And I'm like, all of that journey, tomorrow I'm going to feel like a hero because I helped someone move, you know? And, but, but that whole idea of just doing that one tiny little thing on Facebook that led to a relationship, led to a friendship, led to a person giving their life to Jesus, led to a person eventually finding the love of their life and getting married, and then all this all this great stuff that God has done in his life. And a lot of it came because a number of years ago, I sent a Facebook message. Now, I don't take credit for the Facebook message because I believe God prompted me to reach out to this person. I had completely forgotten that he existed. But something happened at that moment where God prompted me at the right time, in the right way, in the right whatever it was, to reconnect with this person. And then God led it through a Heroic, really, is the word for it, experience that I was able to walk into, not necessarily create. But there's something that I've been learning about heroism over you know, the past number of years. Really, I think it's a lesson that I learned mostly back in September of 2011. Excuse me, back in September of 2000, and uh, when, when 9-11 happened, that's where I was thinking about the 11. Uh, when 9-11 happened, I was... I was in Chicago, and all of you have your own stories of what happened that September. And the thing that struck me the most is how many stories you heard on the news repeatedly of a person who was heroic, who then when they were asked about what they had done, declared that they didn't feel it was heroic. You've heard the stories of the guy walking down the street and he sees a house on fire and the mom's out front and she's yelling, my babies, my babies. And the man runs into the house and he rescues the children and brings them back out. And then the newspaper shows up and, they, and the mayor gives the man a medal of some kind. And they ask him the question, how do you feel? How does it feel to be a true hero? And the person says, I don't, I don't feel like a hero. When I was in Chicago, there was a man who was uh, sick and he fainted and fell on the tracks of the L. Now the L, if you touch both tracks at the same time, you're dead because there's so much electricity on the L train in Chicago. And this person fell down in between the two tracks and miraculously was not touching them at all and so was still alive. And some other dude jumped off of the platform down to get the guy. And if that guy had touched those rails when he was pulling him up, they both would have been gone. But this guy jumps off of that, picks up this guy, somehow gets him back up onto the platform and then he jumps back up onto the platform before the next train showed up. And they, inv- they asked this guy, how did it feel to be a hero? And he said, I'm not a hero. There are two lessons that I have learned in my life about heroism. And those two lessons, basically, I don't have blanks for you to fill in. I just sort of jotted these things down. The first lesson is that you never feel like a hero until after you've done something heroic. That's the first rule of heroism. No one ever feels like a hero before they've accomplished something heroic. You have to actually do something heroic in order for you to feel heroic. But that leads into the second lesson that I've learned, the second lesson that I jotted down here, is that the best heroes never feel like heroes. The best heroes do something heroic and think it was small. In fact, that's another way I would put it. I would say heroic acts never feel heroic to a true hero. Think about it. 
A real hero is capable of so much that when they do something heroic, it's just normal, right? It, it should just feel normal. If it doesn't feel normal, then they're not a true hero. But what does that mean about us when we look at our lives and we say, I don't feel very heroic because I've never done anything heroic? Does that mean we're actually viewing ourselves accurately? Or does that mean that perhaps all that we've ever done has been a level of heroism that is normal for us? Write this down. This is something I want to prove to you today. We are heroes no matter what we think or feel. We are heroes no matter what we think or feel. I want to try to prove this to you today by looking at last week's stories. So we were in the book of Judges last week, and we were in Judges chapter 3. We looked at three guys, a guy named Othniel, a guy named Ehud, and a guy named Shamgar. And I'll just summarize a little bit of the story for you, and I'm going to read just a couple verses from it. So remember Othniel, he was a great warrior in chapter 1. He conquered some territory in chapter 1. And then after he had conquered that territory, God allowed a foreign power to come and oppress the Israelites. And that foreign power oppressed the Israelites for eight years, and at the end of that eight years, the people of Israel cry out to God, and then God taps Othniel on the shoulder. What's interesting is that he was a warrior back in chapter one. He was a successful warrior in chapter one. My question is, what's he been doing for eight years since that time he was a successful warrior and now the people are under oppression? What's he been up to? The Bible doesn't answer that. We could speculate if you want, but it's not going to be helpful. What the Bible does answer is what changed for him at the end of those eight years. What turned him from a warrior who wasn't doing anything at that moment in time into a hero? Look at it with me in verse 9 and 10. It says this, But when the Israelites cried out to the Lord, he raised up for them a deliverer, Othniel, son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother who saved them. The Spirit of the Lord came on him so that he became Israel's judge and went to war. If you keep reading, it then tells us that the land had peace under Othniel for 40 years. The question is not, what was he doing during the eight years? The question is, what flipped the switch to turn him from being a great warrior into being a national hero? And the switch was the Spirit of God. The people cried out to God. God tapped him on the shoulder by literally giving him his spirit. The Holy Spirit of God makes heroes. That's, that's the lesson we learned last week, but it's what I want to remind you of today because heroes aren't born, they are made. The Holy Spirit of God makes heroes. The second person we looked at was a guy named Ehud, and Ehud was a left-handed man who um, now was facing an oppressive government that had been in charge of Israel for 18 years, 
And he comes to the forefront and he does a miraculous level assassination thing against the king who was oppressing them. He conquers that king and it's an amazing story of Ehud, the left-handed man, killing the fat man with a sword that Ehud had made himself. It's a fun story. We covered it last week. You're, you're welcome to read it. You will definitely be grossed out. But the verses I want us to look at today are just a few. We're going to first of all look at verse 13, excuse me, 15, and then 19, and then 26. 15 says, again, the Israelites cried out to the Lord, and he gave them a deliverer, Ehud, a left-handed man, the son of Gera the Benjamite. The Israelites sent him with tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Skip ahead to verse 19. And in verse 19, it says, But on reaching the stone images near Gilgal, he himself went back to Eglon and said, Your majesty, I have a secret message for you. And then skip ahead to verse 26. While they waited, Ehud got away. After he had killed the king, he escaped. It says he passed by the stone images and escaped to Sarah. There are two things that we had mentioned last week that we thought were important. The first one is that Ehud was a left-handed man. That's a significant thing. Because remember, men back then, I told you that if they were left-handed, they were considered to have a disability. Left-handed men meant that they were holding the shield on the wrong side of their body and the sword on the wrong side of their body. And so if you're going to fight with your strong arm, your, your, you know, your accurate arm, and shield with your strong arm, you're going to wield the sword with your right hand and hold the, the, sword with your, uh, the shield with your left hand. But if he's left-handed, then either he's backwards and vulnerable, or he is weak in the ways he needs to be strong. And so left-handed men were not considered to be the best of the warriors. Now, there's a slight exception to that. I did a little more research into this. And would you know that left-handedness is actually something really important in the book of Judges? Uh, we're going to skip ahead to Judges chapter 20, and so if you have your Bibles, flip over to Judges 20 verse 15. I would have said it would be on the screen, but it's not. So Judges 20 verse 15 says this, at once the Benjamites, you know about Benjamites, Ehud was a Benjamite, we just saw that. The Benjamites mobilized 26,000 swordsmen from their towns, in addition to 700 able young men from those living in Gibeah. Among all these soldiers, there were 700 select troops who were left-handed. Okay, the left-handed guys were special. The left-handed guys were select. So Jeff, maybe what I had said about you know, left-handedness being a disability was really pretty wrong. No, keep reading, look what it says. It says, left-handed, they were part of select troops, each of whom could sling a stone at a hair and not miss. That's amazing. The left-handed guys were the ones who used the slings. And you give that just a small amount of thought, and I think you can conclude that there's a reason why the left-handed guys used a weapon other than a sword and used a weapon other than a shield and used a weapon that was from range. These guys, they could hit a hair, but that's because they practiced a lot. It just means that the left-handedness, even though it's something that could become an asset when it came to swordsmanship, wasn't considered an asset. So we're back to the story of Ehud. Ehud, a guy who uses a sword to accomplish a mission from God. And then the second detail, of course, we looked at last week was that the idols, the stone images, were powerless to do anything against him. He was completely free to do his mission and the stone idols weren't going to stop him. 
That means nothing in the world can prevent you from being a hero if God has made you a hero. And guess what? God made you exactly who you are for his heroic plan. So Ehud was left-handed. This plan needed a left-handed swordsman. And so Ehud made his own sword, strapped it to his right thigh instead of his left thigh, and he took care of business. God made you who you are. A lot of us are trying to live our lives in such a way that we become something different from what we were made to be. We want to grow beyond our heritage or our birth or something. And yet few of us realize that the thing God gave us, even from our birth, might be the exact asset that he is looking to exploit for something amazing in this world. And so if God has made you a hero, don't let anything else get in your way. But the third story was Shamgar. Judges 3.31. This one, I'm going to read you the entire story because it's, you know, a verse. It says this, After Ehud came Shamgar, son of Anath, who struck down 600 Philistines with an ox goad, he too saved Israel. And I told you last week that an ox goad is just a stick used for poking oxen so that they go where you want them to go. And here's the point. Write this down. God gave you what you need to be a hero now. Shamgar took what he had in his hand and did a miraculous victory, a heroic act with just that. I know what you're thinking, because it's my thought too. Yeah, but those are heroes, and I'm not. I, I know what you're thinking, yeah, but those are Old Testament people where God did something special in them. We're not going to be killing 600 Philistines. We're not going to be assassinating some fat king. We're not going to be doing these things. We're not supposed to be doing these things. Jeff, why are you trying to apply these Old Testament passages to our lives? And why are you trying to prove that we are just as heroic as those people no matter what we think or feel? It doesn't matter. Well, I'm just going to ask you a couple questions to see how closely your life lines up with these guys' lives. And then let Let's decide whether or not we can apply any of these Old Testament ancient principles to our lives today. The first question I have for you is, do you, like Shamgar, also have a lack of resources? When you think about your life, do you have everything you could ever want to do the things that you think you want to do? Do you have everything you think you could ever need to be the hero that you imagine yourself to be? Or do you lack some resources? If you're like me, you lack a lot of resources. There are a lot of things you would like to do, but you can't do because you can't afford them. There are a lot of things you would like to do, but you can't do because you don't have enough time for them. There are a lot of things that you would like to do, but your resources are limited. And the only thing you have in your hand is a stupid little stick that you've been using for a whole long time to do object A. And who knows that that little stick is useful for plan B because you're too focused on what you don't have. Well, if, if you also have a lack of resources, you might be a hero like Shamgar. Question number two, do you also have a personal shortcoming? Is there something in your life that is holding you back, something in your past that is holding you back from being the person that you thought you were supposed to be? 
Is there a disconnect between your family of origin and the person you want to be? Is there a disconnect between your birth or your genetics or something about you and the person that you imagine you would have to be in order to be heroic? Do you have a personal shortcoming of some kind? If you do, you just might be a hero like Ehud. The Apostle Paul would put it this way in his letter to the Corinthians that we call 2 Corinthians. He says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing greatness comes from God and not from us. Would you know that God likes giving weak people big jobs? Because God likes it when he gets credit for making you heroic. You don't feel like a hero. I know, I don't feel like a hero. But the truth of the matter is, whether I feel like a hero or not doesn't change the fact that God can do heroic things through me. I feel like I have a lack of resources. I feel like I have some personal shortcomings. But that just puts me in the same place as these two guys, Shamgar and Ehud, who were heroes, the first of the three judges that are mentioned in the book. But here's the real kicker. Do you have the Spirit of God? Do you have the Spirit of God in you? If you flip over to Romans chapter 8, it's a, it's a lot of pages, I know. But if you flip over to Romans chapter 8, you'll see these words. Beginning in verse 10. It says, If Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. If Christ is in you, that just means, have you received the gift that God is giving you in his Son? Have you said, Jesus, yes, I do want you to come into my life. I do want you to take charge. I do want you to be the Lord of my life. Verse 11, and if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Skip ahead to verse 14. It says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The most amazing truth in Scripture is that the people cried out to God, and God sent his spirit on Othniel so that Othniel would become a great judge. But every single one of us who receives Jesus as our Savior, every single one of us who reaches out to him and gives him lordship over our lives, every single one of us has been given the Spirit of God and labeled a son or daughter of God. 1 John 4.4 4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one in you is greater than the one who is in the world. It's a simple question, really. Do you have the Spirit of God? If you do, then you are a hero because God makes heroes. God gives his spirit to heroes. He makes them heroes, and then they can use whatever tools they have. They can use whatever shortcomings they have. They can use whatever resources they do or don't have to follow God's will for their life, which is a truly heroic thing. So 
I want you to say this. I want you to say it in your heart. Some of you, if you're at home, maybe you want to say it out loud. I want you to definitely write it down. Just put it down. I am a hero. I don't have to feel like a hero because true heroes never feel like heroes. I don't have to look at my life and say my life hasn't done any heroic things because true heroes never think their activity has been heroic. And so you, as a person who is divinely appointed by God to be a hero, just like these three guys who are among the most heroic people in the history of humanity, these people, these people are you. You are heroes like these people. I am a hero. You know, as a pastor, my greatest joy, one of my greatest joys, is when someone tells me that something I did made a difference in their lives. But a higher joy to me is when someone tells me, someone in our church tells me that they made a difference in someone else's life. I get emails periodically every now and then. Someone will say, hey, Jeff, thanks for that message. Or, hey, Jeff, I'm really glad that uh, you, you're doing whatever it is that you're doing. But, but even better than that, I like the emails like this one where someone says to me, I did this. <laughs> and anyway, so I was, I was reading through some encouragement emails that I've got, and, and I found this one little phrase at the end of one of them that I wanted to share with you. This person says this. Something I've come to learn through all of this is that people need compassion. And sometimes I don't feel I'm equipped to say the right things, but I don't have to be. I just need Jesus to fill my heart with compassion and he will do the rest. If the principles of heroism are true, if heroes don't feel like heroes until after they've done something heroic, and if the truly great heroes never feel like any of their actions are heroic, then you are a hero. Because you don't feel heroic, because you don't think your actions have been heroic. That just puts you in the category of greatness. And so I want to ask you today, to invest some time today and to invest some time this week in being a hero. There's a phrase that I want you to sort of, I mean, it's too long to memorize, but I want you to feel the effect of this phrase, and so I'm going to read it to you. It says this, I will do things that don't feel heroic when I don't feel heroic, but because God's Spirit is with me, He can make it a heroic moment. You know, we've done this service Sunday thing before, three or four times before, and one of the things people tend to mention to me is how insignificant it feels for them to be going out into their neighborhood and picking up trash. My response to them would be, you're free to do more. But why, why do we settle for doing less? See, this is the thing that fascinates me about us. It's the thing that fascinates me about Christians. It's the thing that fascinates me about even today in this COVID America. 
We live in a world, it seems, where God has put literally in front of us an opportunity to weigh our desires against the desires of people around us, to weigh our safety against the safety of other people around us. We have literally been dropped into the most frustrating year of our lives, and in that frustrating year that we are all experiencing, we, every single one of us, has been demonstrably shown that other people have it worse than we do. Because no matter how bad your life has been in 2020, there are other people whose lives have been way worse. I don't personally know anyone who's died of COVID, but I know a lot of people who know people who've died of COVID. It hasn't affected me. And so that means I'm being tested. Am I going to care more about what things affect me or am I going to care more about what things affect other people? We are in a world right now where Christians have this mega opportunity to live, love your neighbor as yourself, to be truly heroic. And all I'm asking you to do is to go on a daily habit of being a hero, doing things that don't feel heroic, even when you don't feel heroic, because you, unlike so many people, have been given the Spirit of God to walk in this world as a hero. Yeah, so you go into your neighborhood, you pick up some trash, and you say to yourself, man, this is, this is so beneath what I would like to do as a hero. It's more than you did yesterday. You go around, and your neighbor is sitting on their porch, and you wave, and you say hi. And you say, man, that was so easy to do. And I'm like, yeah, it didn't feel heroic at all, did it? But you don't know what that person's going through. And it's a lot more than you did yesterday. And so for every single one of us, I just want us to be people who step into this heroic thing. We say, God's spirit is with me. God's spirit. And just that idea that God's spirit is with me That's just too much. Why would I ever feel like anything is too much when the most too much of all is in me? I know you don't feel heroic. I know I don't feel heroic. There are a lot of times when I do things that don't feel heroic. But because God's Spirit is with me, I will continue to do the things that don't feel heroic even though I don't feel heroic heroic. So today, join me in being people who pray for others, people who pick up trash for others, people who walk through a neighborhood and smile at others, people who recognize that this world is bigger than just us and that we have been put here to be heroic for others. I'm excited about seeing you all tonight at the Horseman's Place. Let me pray for you now, and then let's all disperse to wherever you want to go to do something nice and encouraging for people around you. Let me pray for you. Thanks for listening to this message from Lafayette Community Church. We are all about helping you live the life you were made to live. God made you. God loves you. And His plans for you are perfect. So if you are anywhere near Lafayette, Indiana, join us this weekend at one of our worship gatherings. And wherever you are, check us out online at lafayettecommunitychurch.com.